Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hi, everybody. This is Carol Topp, the host of the Dollars and Cents show here, back with another episode for homeschool leaders talking about tiny homeschool groups. This is the third of four podcast episodes I'm doing for tiny homeschools. And in the first episode called Are We a Nonprofit? That would be episode number 175 over at dollarsandcentsshow.com. Or just go to my website, homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast, and you'll be taken directly to my podcast page with all the podcast episodes there. And in that first episode, Are We a Nonprofit?, I talked about, well, what is a tiny homeschool group? And there's no set definition, but I'm operating on these assumptions, that it's a fairly small group, usually 20 families or less. Your total annual intake of money is less than $5,000. You're typically all volunteers. No one is paid. And typically, you're, you're quite low risk and, um, you know, maybe deal in cash, although I don't like that. But that's tiny, and you have some different unique situations. You don't want to deal with a whole lot of paperwork, and and I get that. Nobody does. (laughs) So that's the first episode. The second episode, number 176, was do we need to file anything? And I talked about maybe uh, bylaws and your articles of incorporation or articles of association. And we talked a little bit about taxes. And that's what we're going to talk about more in this third episode. I get asked a lot, do we need to pay taxes? And then we'll finish up with the fourth episode, which will be, do we need a bank account? All right. Yes, a lot of tiny homeschool groups might get concerned about whether they owe taxes or are they tax exempt or not. So let me start out by saying there, at least in the homeschool arena, two kinds of tax-exempt organizations. One would be the 501c3 tax-exempt status, and that's if you have an educational, religious, charitable purpose, or all two or all three of those. But because a lot of homeschool co-ops, homeschool tutorials have educational purposes, they are eligible for tax-exempt status as a nonprofit. Um, under Section 501c3 of the IRS Code. The other tax-exempt status homeschool groups sometimes find themselves eligible for would be 501c7 Social Club. And these are for organizations that don't necessarily have an educational purpose, but more of a social purpose. You know, so your support groups or um, just more emphasis on getting together face-to-face and having social recreational activities. That's less common in the homeschool groups because most of us have educational purposes. So let me say, first off, 501c7 social clubs are automatically tax-exempt in the eyes of the IRS and your state. You don't have to apply for that tax-exempt status. You can do what the IRS calls self-declare your tax-exempt status as a 501c7 social club. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, it's fabulous. So, when it comes to saying, do we need to pay taxes if you are 501c7 social club, meaning you're formed for recreational and social purposes, you meet face-to-face and 65% or more of your income comes from your membership dues and activities, you can just self-declare 501c7. Yay! And don't owe taxes. 
Okay, but what if you're the more common homeschool group, the 501c3s with educational purposes? That's, you know, our co-ops or even our field trip groups or groups that try to promote the education and the homeschooling of children or the education of their parents and how to homeschool. Well, the IRS says you're not automatically tax exempt. So, yes, you would have to file and pay taxes. Except, there's always an except, you tinies have a special carve-out in the IRS's eyes. And the special carve-out is based on how big you are in terms of dollars, meaning how much money you bring in. The IRS calls it your annual gross revenues. Annual meaning any year, school year, or whatever year you run on. Gross meaning all revenues, meaning money that comes in. So add up all the money that comes in, take a look at your bank statements and see what the deposits are. The threshold is $5,000 in the eyes of the IRS. If your total annual gross revenues are less than $5,000 a year, the IRS says, you're such a tiny 501c3 organization. You don't even have to apply. We will just grant you 501c3 tax-exempt status without applying. Wonderful. So you get that same self-declared tax-exempt status as the social clubs. The 501c7 social clubs, they can have any amount of money. You can make 10000 20000 50000 and still be self-declared, meaning you don't have to apply for tax-exempt status. This is a wonderful thing, ladies and gentlemen, because applying for tax-exempt status is paperwork, fees to the IRS, time, organization on your part, voting with the board, blah, 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 blah. All right brings a lot of advantages. We want tax-exempt status because then you don't have to pay taxes on any profit or surplus you make. So how do you go about this self-declaring tax-exempt status? That's a really good question. Somebody asked me that in an email recently. Basically, you should have a meeting of the board to clarify, get the treasurer to say, yes, our annual revenues are less than $5,000 and recorded in the minutes that you understand, um, you know, from Carol Dobbs, CPA, that you can self-declare tax-exempt status, meaning you don't have to apply for 501c3 status. You just have it. Lovely. I'd say have a meeting, put that in your minutes. You ready for the catch? There's a catch. Although you don't have to apply for tax-exempt status, Ever since 2007, the IRS has said, hey, even you tinies, all tax-exempt organizations, whether they self-declared or whether they applied for it, have to check in and with the IRS and maintain your tax-exempt status by filing an annual information return or an information notice, as they call it, with the IRS once a year. Got that? So, someone says, Carol, do we have to pay taxes? I will usually say, probably not. You're probably eligible for tax-exempt status. And I double-check, you know, make sure you're less than $5,000. Make sure you have the right purpose, educational purpose. You have bylaws, a board. All that stuff I talked about in the previous two episodes, number 175 and 176 of the podcast. Okay. Then I can say, no, you can self-declare your tax-exempt status, meaning you don't have to apply for it. But... You have to maintain it. Okay, how do you maintain your tax-exempt status? You file what the IRS calls an annual information return. It is not 
a tax return. It is an information return. You're simply giving information to the IRS. And if you're tiny, you uh, meaning, again, in this definition, less than $5,000 of annual gross revenues, you can file a simple electronic postcard with the IRS once a year. It's called the Form 990-N, like in notice. Head on over to homeschoolcpa.com slash 990NFAQ page, or just put in the search box there on the homepage, 990NFAQ. I have a frequently asked questions page about this Form 990, this electronic postcard. So you will probably say, great, thanks for the information. I'll go maintain my tax exempt status every year. I'll just go file that electronic postcard. It's very short, ladies and gentlemen. Take you five, 10 minutes max once a year, okay? It's only eight questions. Um, you can find out the eight questions on the website. But it, really, they don't even ask for financial statements. Just kind of name, address, are you still alive, stuff like that. Very simple. Problem is, if you try to do that today, the IRS would say, you know, you type in, in your name, address, employer identification number, the IRS database won't find you. Why? Well, because you never applied for tax-exempt status. So they don't know that you are self-declared tax-exempt. So... In order to get in the IRS database and file this electronic postcard, the 990N notice, once a year, you have to call the IRS. You have to call them one time. Don't freak out about it. You have to call them one time, and you have to say, I am a small, tiny 501c3 organization. I understand I need to file an annual 990N and you're calling the IRS tax-exempt number, I will put it in the show notes. Again, you can find the show notes to this program over at homeschoolcpa.com and then slash podcast, all right? Or look for, in the search box, put in Tiny Homeschool or that FAQ page on 990Ns. And and I give you in this podcast and the blog post the exact words to say when you call the IRS, okay? You tell them exactly what I just said. We're small... 501c3. I'm here to get in the IRS database so I can file my 990Ns. They'll ask a few questions, you know, your name, your EIN, your address, stuff like that. They'll ask if you have organizing documents. So you should say, yes, I have bylaws, or yes, my board has approved the Articles of Association, something like that. And then voila, (laughs) give them about six weeks, and you can then file those annual electronic postcards in the 990N and maintain your tax-exempt status. Yay! If you forget or you didn't know about it, you've been around, the IRS gives you three strikes and then you're out. I <laughs> mean, you can, you can forget or miss filing three years in a row, but the third year they automatically will revoke the tax-exempt status that you had, even though you self-declared it. It will be revoked And then you fall into this category where you have to pay taxes. We don't want that. So you can get it back. You can get your tax exempt status reinstated with the IRS, but it will involve then officially applying, filling out an online form, paying the IRS their $275. The online form is called the 1023-EZ. I have uh, an entire webinar that shows you how to file the 1023-EZ. It doesn't take very long. Uh, what boxes you need to check if you want to get reinstated because you didn't know about these electronic postcards, you didn't know you needed to call the IRS and get in their database. I understand. These tinies. You might be in that situation right now where you're kind of panicking and saying, Carol, we didn't know. I get that. 
So you can try calling the IRS, the exempt organization uh, branch of the IRS, not their general personal income tax line, the, the exempt organization IRS, and see what they say. Chances are they will say, file the 1023-EZ. That's normally what has to happen. If you're late, if you've existed more than three years or you failed to file your electronic postcard, the 990N, for three years in a row, they have revoked your tax-exempt status. Even though you didn't know about it, you didn't get a letter, it's just their process, okay? The IRS has a process. They have a process for revoking tax-exempt status, and they have a process for getting it back. Getting it back involves... Again, filing that 1023-EZ, paying the $275 fee to the IRS. Let me tell you about one other kind of taxes you may not be aware of that tinies have to pay, and that's sales tax. But you probably know that. You probably know that if you went into a store and bought something, um, you had to pay the sales tax on it, even though you were buying it for your tiny homeschool group. Now, there are sometimes our states... A lot of states, probably like more than 40 of the states, allow sales tax exemption to charitable, um, in our case, charitable meaning educational organizations. You know, like churches don't have to pay sales tax when they buy things. You know, sometimes schools don't. And charities, 501c3s, perhaps in your state, don't have to pay sales tax on their purchases either. So you're thinking, how do I get that? I, I buy stuff for the homes, tiny homeschool, I want to save sales tax. Well, you have to go find out what your state sales tax exemption requirements are. So it's a a maybe. You can find out what that is over at one of my favorite websites for researching state laws for nonprofits, and that's harborcompliance.com. And you can see what the sales tax requirements are to be exempt from paying sales tax. And a lot of times the states will say, yes, you're a 501c3, we will exempt you from paying sales tax when you buy things, but you got to show me the IRS letter. Well, you're like, I don't have an IRS letter. I self-declared my tax-exempt status because Carol Top said so because I'm tiny. So you don't have the letter to prove the IRS granted you 501c3 tax-exempt status because, in essence, they haven't granted it. You just self-declared it. So you're kind of stuck. Without that letter from the IRS... You don't. You can't prove it to the state. You can try calling them and see what they say. Like, I'm filing my 990Ns. Will that do? They probably won't. States have their processes and checkboxes, too. So chances are you will not get sales tax exemption. Some states give it to you automatically. They don't even ask to see the IRS letter. You're the lucky ones. There might be an application you have to fill out to, to explain what you do and why you're tax exempt and why you shouldn't have to pay sales tax. And, you know, and it can be kind of kind of a long couple-page report or, or request for sales tax exemption. But some groups just say it's just not worth it. This is a lot of time. This is a lot of information, and we just don't buy that much. So our sales tax isn't that high, so they forego it. But I just want you to be aware that you may be eligible for sales tax exemption in your state, but it may be more effort than you want to try. The last thing I want to talk about is your state has an income tax like the IRS does, you know, the federal income tax. All Many states, like I think um, 45 states, also have a state income tax. Now, every state that I've ever investigated says, if you get 501c3 status from the IRS, the state says, good enough for us, we'll honor that too. You don't have to reapply for tax exempt status with the state. But again, a lot of times you know what they want? They want proof. They want the letter. 
What I have found in general is that small or tiny homeschool groups that are automatically or self-declare tax-exempt status with the IRS uh, find that their states don't typically require you to apply. You, they kind of ride on the coat strings of the IRS. So I've not found too many homeschool groups with situations where they have to apply for tax-exempt status. This would be state income tax uh, status or corporate income tax uh, status from your state. So, yeah, it's a little complicated, isn't it? United States is a wonderful country, but we have a little complicated tax laws because we have the federal and then we have, of course, all the states. So I'm just trying to reassure you that at least with the IRS, if you're tiny, it's easy to self-declare your tax-exempt status. Just make sure you maintain it by filing those 990Ns every year. Sales tax exemption may not be worth it to apply for. You may not be eligible. And at the state level, you probably have automatic uh, income tax exemption from your state as well. So quite a bit to absorb. Listen to this again. Listen to the other podcasts. And you can always find me over at homeschoolcpa.com if you have questions about this or if you're a little confused. Um, It pays to listen and read and do some homework, but if those don't answer your questions, you can hire me for a consultation. Just email me via the website over at homeschoolcpa.com, and I'll do my best to try to explain things. It's helpful if you explain to me what state you're in so I can uh, look up and do a little research before we have our consultation. So next episode about tiny homeschools, we'll be talking about money and bank accounts. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Top here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.